Amen. Good to be with you, Sanctuary Church. And it's always an honor to be uh, to get to preach here at Sanctuary Church. And it's uh, it's been a crazy time. It's been a crazy time. But uh, I'm glad to be a part of Sanctuary Church. I'm glad to be a part of this church family. And I believe that, that God has been doing some great things and, and has some great things in store for us. I, I appreciate my pastor uh, for giving me the opportunity to preach. I know he is uh, not here in the building and not watching right now, but he will be watching. He was watching. Well, he, he must have it pulled up on his phone <laughs> or something, but I, I know he plans on, on watching later. Uh, so I appreciate you, Pastor. I love you. Amen. Uh, let's get into the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, we're going to be reading from the book of Acts, and I'm going to be uh, skipping around some and reading a few different verses, but for right now, we're going to read Acts chapter 4 and verse number 31. I'm going to be reading out of the modern English version. It says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. I want to speak to y'all for the next few minutes tonight on this subject, after the outpouring, after the outpouring. Amen. Has anybody ever been in just an amazing, just an awesome church service where the power of God just fell and and it was just like thick in the service and and you just spoke in tongues and and just were filled and overflowed and and, and it just was amazing. Anybody ever say something in the comments if if you've been in a service like that, that was just absolutely mind-blowing, amazing. You came out of it feeling refreshed and renewed and on fire for God, and and the presence of God was just absolutely incredible. I'll tell you what, those types of services, they're so refreshing. They're so renewing. They might leave you physically wore out, <laughs> and by the time you walk out of the church, you might just be barely dragging physically, but in your spirit, you just, you're filled with joy and and, and you're filled with hope and, and all of that. But uh, when, when you get to the end of that service, a lot of times you may have already prayed in the altar multiple times and, and you're sitting uh, on the altar, or you're sitting in your seat or something like that, and you're just sitting there and, and you don't really want to leave. Anybody ever been in a service like that? You just don't want to walk out those doors. It just feels so amazing. I can remember so many times that I was sitting there after, uh, you know, it seemed like multiple altar calls <laughs> and, and God pouring out his presence. And, and I just wanted to just sit there and just soak it in as long as possible. And having Pentecost Sunday this past Sunday reminds me of those types of services. I know right now we're not getting to have our normal altar calls like we would like to have, but it reminds me of that. That is what I think of an old-fashioned Pentecostal throwdown Holy Ghost service. And uh, you just want to soak it in. But at some point, you have to walk out those doors. At some point, you have to go to bed and get up the next morning and, and go back to your daily routine, go back to work or to school or, or wherever, uh, whatever your regular, normal, mundane routine is. 
fortunately, you've been refreshed and, and renewed to, to face those things. But it doesn't change the fact that you have to go back to some level of normalcy. And on the day of Pentecost that, that we talked about, and I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, we got to hear Brother Clinton and Brother Austin preach such powerful messages about the day of Pentecost this past Sunday. But that was the first outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and what an outpouring it was. What a church service they had. I mean, that was something unlike what we've seen because they got to see cloven tongues like as a fire. They got to hear that rushing mighty wind fill that house, and it was such an awesome day, such an awesome outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And... uh, In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So it wasn't just those that were in the upper room, but Peter got up and preached to all those that were outside, and and that, that outpouring of the Holy Ghost wasn't just limited to those in the upper room, but it spread to 3,000 people that were added to the church that day. What an awesome revival. What an awesome move of the Holy Ghost. It was the first move of the Holy Ghost recorded, or the first move of the Holy Ghost where God poured out uh, His Spirit um, on the earth, and and it was just amazing. 3,000 people, what an incredible day. Can you imagine being able to post that on Facebook? (laughs) Our church had quite a revival today. We added 3,000 members. (laughs) That'd be pretty cool. And I would imagine that those that were there that received the Holy Ghost, that God poured out his Spirit on, they did not want to leave that atmosphere what an atmosphere it was. And since this is the first service after Pentecost Sunday, I was curious to study some of the things that happened immediately after that first outpouring of the Holy Ghost, when they started getting back into daily routines. Now, the first thing that I will say is that there was no back to normal for them. There was no normal of just going back to normal of of being a fisherman and and all all their jobs that they had uh, before because they hadn't been those things for three years. Jesus, he was still very much with them, but not in the same way as he was for those previous three years. See, those previous three years, he had walked in the flesh with them. They looked to him as their leader in the flesh. They followed him. Wherever he walked, they walked. And whatever he said, they did. But he wasn't with them in the same way. Yes, he was with them when, when, uh, when he came back as the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, and he was still with them, but he wasn't with them in the flesh. They couldn't physically walk where he walked just to follow him and, and go where he went. He wasn't with them in that way anymore. So their lives that they had gotten used to in the past three years were drastically changed. And you know, another thing that was not normal anymore, I, I really, uh, Pastor, I want you to know whenever you watch this, I really appreciate you. Uh, I love you. And as a former pastor, I appreciate some things being able to 
that they be your responsibility. <laughs> There's some things that, that the pastor is the one that has the responsibility for that somebody else, Brother Clinton and Brother Austin and myself and other leadership in this church, some things we can say, well, that's really pastor's call. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Pastor. I, I, I'm so thankful we have a pastor that uses wisdom, godly wisdom, and and seeks God for those types of things. And, and I'm so thankful some of those things don't have to be my call. And, you know, Peter and John and the rest – uh, of the apostles, uh, they were used to Jesus being there. And when the hard questions were asked by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, by whoever, they were just like, Jesus, you go ahead and take that one. <laughs> but now, guess what? They were the ones that people were looking at. They were the ones that had to give answers. They were the ones that had to uh, decide where to go and what to do and and all of those things. Of course, they had the Holy Ghost leading them, but they were the ones in the flesh making those decisions. They were the ones that people were looking to as their spiritual leadership in the flesh. And also, now they had supernatural power that they had never felt before. Power that was promised to them by Jesus himself. And one of the last things that he ever said to him, when he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He promised them that they would receive power after they received the Holy Ghost. So their lives had been drastically changed. There was no going back to normal as normal was before. There was a new normal. People of that early church, this is what their new normal kind of looked at, looked like. People of that early church, they they had a, a bit of a, a honeymoon period, if you will, where things uh, were just going really well. They were steadily growing as a church. The Bible says they added more people every day. They had favor with the people, and they basically just spent most of their time together from what we read in the Bible, uh, they were going to how, from house to house, going uh, switching. Today we're going to your house. Tomorrow we're going to your house. And they were fellowshipping together. They were eating together. It says breaking bread. I tell you what, some of us that really love to eat would uh, enjoy all that home cooking maybe a little too much. <laughs> Just going around and every day getting home cooking at somebody else's house. That, that was pretty good. They, they had a good thing going. But one day, things changed. If you move over to, the, to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. A man lame from birth was being carried, whom people placed daily at the gate of the temple, called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go in to the temple... He asked for alms. Peter, gazing at him with John, said, look at us. So, of course, he paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
He took him by the right hand and raised him up. Immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. Jumping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and jumping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew it was he who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Man, there's just something else. It looked like just add another wonderful thing that happened right there at the start of the church. Something else awesome happened. It, it, it was a great thing that that man that had been lame was strengthened and he was able to walk and jump and praise God and, and all of that. In fact, it caused such a commotion that Peter got his second opportunity in in these two chapters to preach an impromptu sermon to a big crowd. And just like the day of Pentecost, there was a great revival that happened as a result of that, of that sermon. Uh, in fact, the number of men, the Bible says the number of men uh, in the church grew to about 5,000. So it, it, once again, Peter preached uh, and revival came to the church and a lot of people uh, decided to give their lives to God and, and to be uh, a part of the body of Christ. However, unlike the day of Pentecost, Peter and some of the apostles ended up in jail. That was a little bit different. And all of a sudden, they were facing their first bump in the road, their first roadblock. And uh, the religious leaders, the reason they arrested them, because the religious leaders were greatly troubled because Peter and the others were preaching in Jesus' name, preaching uh, about the resurrection. And uh, I, I won't go through that whole chapter. To make a long story short, the next day, the leaders brought them in and uh, had them give their account. And then they made all kinds of threats to them. And they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They threatened them some more, and then they released them. The sunshine and rainbow period of the early church was over. They had officially entered difficult territory for the first time as a new movement, as, as a new group. It's kind of like leaving an amazing Sunday service where the power of God fell and then Monday morning, first thing, your boss calls you in the office, chews you out, tells you how terrible you're being, and threatens to fire you. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> all of a sudden, things come crashing down. You were way up here. All of a sudden, you're way down here. And so the, the, the good times, it, it, it seemed like could be over, at least the easy times uh, were for sure over at that point. So uh, it's interesting to see how Peter and the others responded to this, this first big test, this first big trial that the church was having to go through. And what they did was they left there when they were released and they went straight to the people of God. They went straight to the church. And by church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about to the people the people of the early church. And that right there is a sermon in and of itself, is that when we're going through hard times, 
We don't need to be going away from the church. We don't need to be trying to figure things out for ourselves. We need to get around the body of Christ. We need to get around other believers who will pray with us and believe with us and stand with us and love us. And that's exactly what they did. They went straight to the people of God. I'm so thankful for the church. I'm so thankful for Sanctuary Church. You don't know the times that I've felt down. I felt down in my spirit, and and some wonderful brother or sister said something to lift my spirits, or or just uh, a song was was sang by our praise team that that really just spoke to me. God spoke to me through it, or or a sermon, or whatever the case is. When you get around the people of God, good things happen. Hopefully, I've unknowingly. Uh, lifted some of your spirits as well when you needed it. I know that's what one of the big things that the, one of the biggest benefits about being a part of the church. So let's read the account of what happened next. Um, Acts chapter four. We're going to read uh, starting with verse twenty-three. The last few verses, uh, Brother Drew has uh, on there, but the first ones he doesn't. But that's okay. Uh, that's my fault. <laughs> On being released, they went to their own people and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, what did they do? They lifted their voices in unity to God and prayed. Now that is what the body of Christ does. They were facing a big problem. What did they do? They joined together in unity and prayed. They prayed, Lord, you are God, who has made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the nations rage and the people devise vain things? The kings of the earth came and the rulers were assembled together against the Lord and against his Christ. And then they continued, Indeed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were assembled together against your holy son Jesus, whom you have anointed to do what your hand and your counsel had foreordained to be done. And now I think the next verse uh, we'll have up on the screen for you. They said, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with great boldness, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be performed in the name of your holy Son, Jesus. Now, if you could put verse 29 back up there. The thing that I found so interesting and so moving about their prayer is that in verse 29, they said, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with great boldness. They didn't pray. The thing that amazes me, they did not pray that the threats would go away. They did not pray that the trouble would just disappear and and all of those that were threatening them would just forget about them. They didn't pray, God, take this trouble away from us. And that's, that's a little bit crazy to me, and I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be transparent. If something like that happened to me, yeah, I would definitely go to the Lord in prayer, but my focus would be praying that they would change their minds and say, you know what, we told you not to do it, but we're going to let you do it. That's what I'd be praying. 
I'd be praying, Lord, somehow let me uh, find favor with them, that they would allow me to do this, that they would allow me to minister as you've called me to minister. And so I began to wonder why they prayed like they did instead of how I would do it. But then God brought to my memory something that Jesus spoke to them that they must have remembered in that moment. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, Jesus prophesies to them, You will be hated by all men for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So Jesus told them, that it was going to happen. And they must have remembered that and remember that Jesus said, yeah, because of my name, you're going to be hated. Because of my name, you're going to be persecuted. And so they knew that it was going to happen. They knew that it was inevitable. And, 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 and here they were this time later, they were getting thrown in jail and threatened. Why? Because of his name, because they were preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. So rather than pray that they wouldn't go through this trouble, they prayed that God would allow them to continue to do what they were called to do in spite of the trouble. They, they were saying, basically, God, you told us we were going to have troubles. You told us that we were going to be hated because of your name. And here it is happening. And we know it's going to happen. So because of that, Lord, help us not to grow weak. Help us to be able with boldness to continue to preach their, to preach your name no matter what they throw at us, no matter what threats they make, no matter what they do to us. Help us to have the boldness to continue doing your will like you called us to do. Amen. In verse 31, it says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Obviously, God approved of that prayer. God approved of that method of praying, of, of saying, no, I, I know I'm going to go through things. I know in this life there's going to be trouble. In this life there's going to be situations that I face that I don't like. But, Lord, instead of just taking all those things away from me, I know I'm going to face them. So help me in spite of those things to keep on doing what you want me to do, to keep on preaching your name, to keep on teaching in your name and calling on your name. So I've come to tell you tonight that while I am so thankful for those mountaintop experiences where the power of God falls and changes lives. I don't want us to allow the trouble that comes in the valley to take us away from God's will for our lives. We live in a world that is absolutely in turmoil today, and it can be easy for us to take our eyes off of Jesus. But now more than ever, we need to pray for the Holy Ghost that God has already poured out on us to sustain our ability to speak the name of Jesus to our friends, to our family, to our co-workers, to our community, to our nation, and to our world. Amen. And if you haven't had the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's for you. Go back and, and watch Brother Clinton or Brother Austin's message from Sunday. And, I, and I'm just here to tell you, it's for you tonight. Amen. And just like God granted their request back then, 
if we will turn to him and ask, not that he would take that trouble away, but that he would help us to do his will in the midst of the trouble, he will grant that request. They had been on the mountaintop, and now they were seeing the valley. But they asked, Lord, they didn't ask, Lord, take us back to the mountain, get us out of this, rescue us out of this valley. They asked, Lord, while we're in this valley, help us to continue to do your will, to glorify your name. Because they knew that the one that they served was greater than anything that this world could throw at them. That's why they started their prayer by glorifying God. Lord, you are God who has made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And, and, and so they were glorifying God and saying, Lord, I know you're bigger than any problem that I can face. And so I just ask that, that in the middle of this trouble that I would still be able to lift up and to speak about and to preach about and to teach about your name. Amen. I wonder if somebody would, would lift your hands tonight and pray with me. Oh, God, you are so awesome. And, Lord, we know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We know, God, that you have overcome the world. You are the almighty God who defeated death, hell, and the grave. There is nothing too hard for you, God. And we come humbly before you tonight, knowing that there is trouble and turmoil all around us in this world. We know that until you return to bring us home, that there will be, there will continue to be trouble in this world. And we don't ask that you would take that trouble away. Lord, you prophesied, you told us that trouble would come. But what we do ask tonight is that you would grant us the boldness to continue to serve you with passion, to speak your name with boldness, to do your will even in times of trouble. Lord, we ask that you would perform mighty acts, that souls would be saved, that bodies and minds and relationships would be healed, that doors would be opened, and that all of this would happen to the glory of your mighty name. We place our hope and our faith and our trust in you, our Savior and our Redeemer. Hallelujah in your wonderful and matchless name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we just lift up a hand or clap your hands and praise him right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, let your power flow through living rooms, through kitchens, through every phone and every screen that, that is watching this right now, Lord. Hallelujah. Grant them the boldness that they are asking for, I pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That your name, Lord, would be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I hope that you in your home or wherever you're at can feel the presence of the Lord like we can here in this room tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I just want to tell you tonight that when you experience the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, 
things are going to change for you, but it doesn't mean, and things are going to change for the better, but it doesn't mean that there will be no more trouble. And in fact, he promised that there would be trouble. But in spite of that trouble, you can keep on keeping on. You can keep on living for the Lord. And not only that, you can thrive and you can continue to do the will of God that he has, that he's given for you, that he's planned out for you. If you'll just make up in your mind and ask the Lord for that help. That's what they did. They, they, you know, we sometimes think of, of Peter and, and these, these uh, people in the Bible as being like superheroes. And, but they, the fact is they were normal human beings just like us. And, and uh, they prayed for God to help them to, to have the boldness. And that's, I believe that's why they were able to speak with boldness is because they asked for it. If they wouldn't have prayed those prayers, they could have fallen away. Uh, they could have failed in their mission uh, of spreading the name of Jesus. But they prayed those prayers. They prayed those prayers for boldness, and God granted them boldness. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Hallelujah.